Hey gang, good morning. It is uh, Tuesday, September 22nd. It is my favorite time of the year um, because we have officially reached sweater weather season. Uh, it's fallish where I'm at and I think it's in the 40s right now. It'll maybe get up to the 60s today. And, uh, and that is my sweet spot. That's where I feel most comfortable. So so I'm a happy man today, and uh, we're going to, again, do what we've been doing for the last number of weeks. We're going to look at the Old Testament lectionary text that's found uh, in uh, this week's uh, lectionary, or this upcoming Sunday's lectionary. It's from Ezekiel 18, uh, verses 1 through 4, and verses 25 through 32. Uh, but before we do that, it's always probably good to go over what the gospel passage is for uh, this particular Sunday, and it is Matthew 21, verses 23 through 32. And in that passage, uh, just before that passage, Jesus has sort of burst into Jerusalem. Uh, he has, um, and of course, you know, cleared the temple, bringing great offense to those who had been in charge of the temple. I mean, it's like, you know, who are you? Who do you think you are doing all of this? Everybody's kind of exclaiming that he's this Messiah. It's scaring the religious leadership. They don't like what they're seeing. And so they actually do come up to him and say, who gave you the authority to do any of this stuff? And uh, Jesus, rather than taking the bait, uh, asks them a question. He says, well, let me ask you a question. When you saw John the Baptist, um, did you think that it was from God or did you think it was from man? And the religious leadership being first and foremost, political animals rather than um, honest theologians uh, are kind of trapped because during their lifetime, during John the Baptist's lifetime, they didn't support him. And so if they say that he's um, uh, from God, then the, you know, the people will look at them and go, well, you're, you're kind of full of it because we saw the way you responded to him. And if they say that he's from man, that will upset the people because by that time, the people uh, have really begun to see John the Baptist as a prophet. And so they say, well, we just don't know. They won't give an answer. And Jesus says, well, I'm not going to tell you by what authority. Uh, I, I am coming right now. I'm not going, that's not what I'm going to say right now. And then he gives a little lesson. That's, this is where it really ties into what our passage is about today in Ezekiel. Uh, he says this, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and, and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And his opponent said, the first. And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. And that last line is really significant for our passage in the Old Testament. The idea is that even if you're presented with the truth and you don't change your mind, you don't repent, well, then you're held responsible. You're held liable for that. And uh, Jesus says, the problem with you guys is you were exposed to who John really was, but you were afraid of losing your positions of influence, and you didn't acknowledge it, and you didn't repent. Well, now we come to the passage in Ezekiel. 
And God essentially says to the nation of Israel through the mouth of Ezekiel, the problem with you guys is that you hear the word of God being preached to you. You see the results of what your sin has brought upon the land and you still refuse to repent. You still refuse to change your ways. And so if you want to know why you're having all the problems you are and why you have a problem with me as your God, it's because you refuse to repent. So with that, by way of background, let's go ahead and pick it up at verse 1, Ezekiel 18. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? <clears throat> the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well uh, as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Now, let's just uh, let's go over this proverb that is mentioned here. Um, it, it's, it, it seems to indicate that um, God is holding the entire nation responsible no matter what for certain people's sins that they're you know if the father sins then it falls down upon the son and so there's this sense in which it feels like it feels like well it's not fair it's not fair that the sins of the father would be held against the sons and the point of these first few verses is for god to say to them that's not actually how i operate at all <clears throat> no i'm not I am not judging you based on what your dad did. I'm not judging you or I'm not putting you before me based on what somebody else did. Indeed, it's the soul who sins that will die. It's not every it's not it's not a collective thing that I'm holding against you. It is individually you refusing to repent. Now he's going to flesh that out a little bit more when we get to verse 25. If you go on down, and I think the only reason that we don't read the whole chapter of Ezekiel 18 is just because it's 32 verses, and you know it uh, covers a lot of the same ground in the next 21 verses before we get to the end. And so, you know, when people are picking out texts, they do sometimes pick out the big ideas for the text and then present that uh, so that it's not quite as long a reading. So verse 25, yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O, o house of Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? And here's the logic of the kingdom of God. Here's how the kingdom of God works. When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he shall save his life. Because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions that he had committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, are my ways not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? Okay, so let's... <clears throat> Let's just break it down real quick. Uh, the Lord is constantly being accused, being called to the carpet 
to defend himself by the people of God. You're not being just with us. We see you forgiving people that don't deserve forgiveness at all. I mean, we've seen these wicked people that have done wicked things, and yet somehow or another, they're in good standing with you now simply because they've repented and placed their faith in modern times in Jesus Christ. And that seems to have been enough for you, that they have placed their faith in another one's righteousness on their behalf, and they're forgiven. Meanwhile, we see people that have been righteous for long swaths of their life. They've seemed to live the good life. <coughs> they seem to do things right. And yet, you know, they go off and they fall by the wayside and they, you know, go off into a, a terrible path of sin. And uh, all of a sudden, they're in some trouble. Well, that's not fair. That's the idea that, that's being presented to God. And God says, you don't understand my justice. You don't understand that for me, what matters is not how, like, I'm not grading you all on a scale. I'm not grading you all on a curve. I'm grading you all on righteous or unrighteous. Either you are righteous, which only comes through faith in Jesus Christ, or you refuse the righteousness that is given through faith in Jesus Christ. And so this is talking about a person in this scenario that may have confessed that they had faith in Jesus Christ and then say, no, I don't have faith in Jesus Christ anymore, that I, I leave that faith. I don't want it anymore. It's not based on, this is not works stuff, ultimately, because we know righteousness language is fulfilled in Christ. It is faith stuff. Where is one's faith placed? Where does one ascertain the righteousness one must have in order to be seen as having lived a just and right life? Because that is what will bring salvation. And the answer to that question is they get it through Jesus Christ. For those who refuse that righteousness won for them, well, God says, my justice says I can't, I can't go halvesies on this. I can't just look at your little bits of righteousness. No, it's got to be all or nothing at all. So verse 30, he says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Why does, why, why does God want his people to turn from their transgressions? Is it because he's just such a stickler for the rules? Is it because he just doesn't like people having fun? Because <laughs> transgression can be fun. Is it because, you know, he, he wants just tight control over everybody in his kingdom? No, the motives are not any of those things. He gives us the motive here. It will ruin you. It will ruin your family. It will ruin your neighbors and your friends if you let this continue on. If you continue to walk in sin and justify it and rationalize it, it's going to do harm, and I don't want it to harm you. Why? Because I'm a father to you. I'm a father who cares very much about you. That's the picture given to us in Scripture all throughout of God, is this father who is like the, the father of the prodigal, who 
longs for his son to come home. That's what's being said here. It's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a dad of three kids, and I understand more and more what that feels like. I understand more and more what it feels like I can imagine. I thank God I'm, I'm not in that situation now. But I can certainly imagine if one of my boys all of a sudden just, you know, went crazy for a season or went crazy for a while. And the feeling of, I, please stop. I don't, want the, I don't want you to be destroyed by this. I fear for you being hurt by this. This is the heart of God's uh, justice here that he is discussing. Verse 31, cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Well, easy, easy for Ezekiel to say, make myself a new heart, a new spirit. That's beyond my pay grade. I can't do it. But, <clears throat> of course, God can. And where does God say he does such a thing? Well, if you go on in the, in the book of Ezekiel, you're going to find out that that comes through the means of baptism. He'll talk about taking hearts that are hard and, and they're hearts of stone and turning them into hearts of flesh. And how does he do it? He says, well, I'm going to sprinkle water on you. It's, it's literally true. That's what he says. I'm going to sprinkle water on you. And the Spirit will make a new heart out of you, or in you. Indeed, that's what happens at baptism, and that's what happens when you're converted. You're given a new heart and a new spirit. You can't make it yourself. So it says here, make yourselves a new heart. Well, I can't do it, but I know one who can, and that's my hope. And then finally, a plea from God to his people, the people that he is covenanted with, that he has cultivated a special relationship with. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. In the, in the final analysis, God knows what the results of sin are in our lives. He knows how much damage it will do. He knows how much it will hurt us. And so his plea to us is, turn and live. Turn back and live. And, and to some extent, this is literally our lives every day. Every day of our lives is a day of repentance. As Luther says in his 95 Theses, all of the Christian life is one of repentance. All of the Christian life is remembering what we were given in our baptism, turning back to that. And living in that and so my hope and prayer for you today as you go out and uh, into your various vocations wherever they may be and whatever they may be is that you would indeed go in the freedom that comes with that knowledge that that God has and is actively turning you that he has given you a new heart and that he is with you today by his spirit amen to that all right uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next Tuesday. I hope you have a great rest of your day and God's blessings on you.